praise our Lord Jesus Christ for His excellent mercy. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and this is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today, we will be continuing the sermon by Pastor Greg Scalzo from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 12. It is part of the Heavenly Authority series, and when we left off last time, my husband was reading Samuel's sermon to the Israelites who were gathered for Saul's coronation. Here now is Pastor Greg. And so it says, and the Lord sent Jeroboam. Jeroboam, that's, if you remember, that's Gideon. That was the name his father gave him when he saves his life from the men of the town. Bedan, that's probably Barak. Jephthah and Samuel. These are just some of the judges he sent. He would raise them up and send them as instruments of deliverance and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. And you dwelt in safety. Every time he would hear them and they would be delivered. This is a good summary of all we studied in the book of Judges. God delivers and then what do they do? They go right back to sinning. Sin separates us from God. Then they get in trouble, they cry out. There's a type of repentance. And then when there's a repentance, God's hand returns, and they're blessed and delivered again. Verse 12, And when you saw Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, now we get some background information. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now we find out one of the reasons that they're crying out for the king. They've been crying out to have a king to be like the nations because they're afraid of this Nahash guy who we studied last week. Now Saul, under the Spirit's anointing, was able to deal very quickly with Nahash, very similar to the way Samson and all the other judges and Samuel himself dealt with them. So he was no big deal. But it was fear against Nahash that causes them to ask for that king. We want a king. We need someone to protect us. Well, who is our protection? He's proven to them from history, God is the one that brought you into this land, delivered you from Egypt, and delivered you from all the people that you had come against you only because what? You sinned and did what they did. So God is your king. He's to be what? Your only king. When the Lord your God was your king. But it wasn't enough for them. They needed something else to trust in. They needed a power figure, central authority, like all the other nations had. And so God gives in to them. Verse 13, Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. You have wanted it, God has given to you, but take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Even though he's allowing you to have this, he's still involved. And it's got to be his choice. The Lord has told Samuel, this is the man, this son of Kish, to anoint this Saul. This is the one the Spirit will come upon. This is my chosen anointed one. So even though he's allowing them to have the king, and the kingdom starts, it was supposed to be a kingdom under God, right? What did Moses say? A kingdom, a kingdom of priests, but they would have no part of it. He gives them what they've chosen, but he has to make the choice who's in that position. And then he says, verse 14, If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice 
and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. Now look at what they have to do. Fear the Lord. Remember those memorial stones in Gilgal? Serve the Lord, not just with lip service, actually in our lives. Obey his voice. Do not rebel against his commandments. And there's an implication here that if they do this, they will continue. If they don't, they're going to get kings over them that won't continue. They're going to get the kings they deserve. If they rebel, they're going to have rebellious kings. Verse 14 in the NIV, it'll add good. In other words, by implication, if you do these things, if you fear the Lord and serve him and obey him and do not rebel and you continue following the Lord your God, you and the king over you, good. But, verse 15, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you. What are those pillars to remind us? That the hand of the Lord is mighty, that we should fear the Lord. And when we rebel, when we don't follow the commandments of God, the Bible tells us if we don't follow the commandments of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. God does not change. Just what he did before, he'll do again. doesn't make a difference you have a king. It'll happen to you and your king. Your king is not going to protect you from God. Your king really can't deliver you. God is the one that delivers. And do not think your king can protect you from God because the hand of God is mighty. So if you all obey, you and your king, fine. But if you rebel, you'll still be handed over to the enemy because the hand of God will be against you and the hand of God is mighty. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? That's the end of May into June. There was very little rain, if any, at that time in the land. I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. Now, it's not just going to be his word. He will testify by a mighty act, a sign of God. And you know, in the New Testament, the word was preached and a sign or one that confirmed it. Well, Samuel, the old prophet, is preaching. Now God will confirm his word by a wonder, by a sign. He says to them, your wickedness, your wickedness is great. They're there rejoicing, partying, eating, drinking, God gave us a king. We got victory. Certainly God's with us. God has blessed us. God will never take his hand away from us. God must surely love us. We're so good. And the old prophet gets up and says, no, you're not so good. Matter of fact, you're very wicked. See how you treated me and see how you misuse God to think that a king can protect you when it's only God that can protect you. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain. And you see Samuel again, the praying prophet. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. God's way is very consistent. And it's very clear from this section, all that we studied, what God's will is for his people. To fear him, obey him, trust him, keep his commandments, and not turn aside. He's confirmed it with signs and wonders. They see it, they stand and they see, what did he say? That you may perceive and see your wickedness is great. 
in the sight of the Lord, in the eyes of God. What determines our position is not what we think of ourselves, how we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, gee, I'm a good person, I'm a righteous person. It is how God sees us. Somehow we think that on our TVs, if our commentators tell us over and over again we're good and certain things are acceptable, that somehow that's going to change it in the sight of God. God is the consistent one. It's in his sight that's going to make the difference, not in our sight. How he judges the living and the dead. In his sight, it's wickedness, and they don't get it. They just don't understand it. As many today, they don't get it. They only start to panic when they see the thunder and the rain come down. Then they, they get afraid. What do they say? They say, the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. At least they say it. At least they say it. We've sinned. They see the sign and they're afraid. They're greatly afraid. God sends down this rain upon them. It's as though they need a good washing. We could use a thunderstorm in our country. Sometimes it takes storm clouds. Sometimes storm clouds must come to bathe a people to wash away the sins of a people, to make them repent and turn. It sounds a lot like what we read with Moses, right? The people would sin and they'd, something would happen, they'd get afraid, they'd say, Moses, pray for us, Moses, pray for us. Here, Samuel, pray for us. And someone might say, well, gee, it's a very shallow repentance. You know, they're not really going there themselves. It's more out of fear for what's going to happen to them right now. You know, what could overtake us right now? If everything goes well the next few weeks, next few months, Will they be crying out to God? Probably not. If everything goes well for our country over the next few months, do you think all the God Bless America signs will still be out? Or will the ACLU cases still go on trying to take down the Ten Commandments and you know all the court rulings? We've got to be very fair, equitable, not give any preference. Let's not say that this country was founded on Christianity. Let's keep that name Jesus very quiet because it causes division. We'll be right back where we started. It's fear for this moment. The only thing is at least these people, you got to say this, at least they say with their mouths, they say, we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. At least they're saying what's right. We've done evil. We've added to our sins. In our society, and even in Christianity, there's this concept that, well, God automatically forgives me. And don't tell me I need to say, I'm sorry, I need to repent, I have to confess I've done evil. God is so loving, God is so good, he's not going to embarrass me that way that i got to say I'm wrong. And no one wants to say they're wrong. No one ever wants to really say with their lips. Now, I don't know if they mean it with their hearts, these people, but at least they're saying the words. It's very rare to hear the words in American society, I have done evil, I have done wrong. A matter of fact, those who say that's the way we repent, to truly admit our sins, we're told we're wrong, that we're putting guilt upon people, we're hurting the party. They're greatly rejoicing, and here we are, we're standing up and telling them they need to understand their evilness and their wickedness. Repentance. Then Samuel said to the people, they want him to pray. Before he prays, he has to speak, and he has to preach the truth. 
Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. You have nothing to fear if you mean it. If you really mean it, and you're really repentant, even though you've done so many things wrong, and you see the love of God, the mercy of God, do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your hearts. If you do that, you have nothing to fear. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things, which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. That's the truth. The only hope we have is in God himself, the God, the Father of Jesus Christ. There's our only hope. Everything else is empty. If you trust in your might, you trust in your wealth, you trust in your power, it's empty. If you think the king, the government is going to do it, going to protect you, that's empty. You pray for the king, you pray for the government, you do all that's reasonable to do, but in the end, the only thing that can protect you is God. And if you serve him and you fear him and you stay straight and you do not go to the left and you don't go to the right, and his mighty hand is not against you, but his mighty hand is around you, protecting you, do not fear. It's not a matter of superstition. You know, Samuel gets down, he prays, and okay, we're okay. It's a matter of truth. Do what Samuel would do. Be a righteous people. Be a good people. And forget the empty things. Don't put your trust in empty, hopeless, vain things. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg Scalzo's sermon has been brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut.